Grace and mercy and peace are all the true riches that we long for, and they're all ours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation is our second lesson this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'd encourage you to have it open because I'm going to be kind of jumping around uh, in between the verses this morning. Uh, it is on page 10 of the service folder or open up the Pew Bible if you have your own Bible along. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've all seen or heard about those ridiculous warning labels that come on products sometimes, right? Like, uh, this bag is not a toy. Or, or remove shirt before ironing, right? Or, or I've seen that there, I've heard that there's one on a chainsaw sometimes, hold chainsaw by the proper end. Right? These, these ridiculous warning labels that, of course, duh. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of a warning label, in a sense, on this sermon series. When it comes to money, lots of eyebrows go up, questions come, red flags pop up. You know, if you'd ask someone outside of the church what they think about the church, and I, I've had it happen to me many, many times, one of the big answers you'll get is they just care about money. They just want my money. And unfortunately, in some cases, that might be true. I, well, you ask people inside the church even about money. And usually when they hear the word stewardship, right away they think of dollar signs, don't they? Right? They're going to talk about money or talking about stewardship. And, and that is true. Stewardship is about our money, but, but really stewardship is about managing all the blessings that God has given us in this life. Our time, our abilities, our relationships, the word of God. And yes, our money and, and the possessions that we've been given. That's what stewardship truly is. But, but it's become ingrained in so many of our minds that, that when the church talks about stewardship, they're just talking about money. And that's not true. But here we are talking about money. <laughs> because it is a gift of God. Every penny we have is a gift from God. And the Bible has a lot to say about money our attitude towards it, how we use it, why God has given it to us. And, and no one talks about money more in the Bible than Jesus himself. And I think that's because he knows what a temptation it can be to lead us away from him and to begin to worship that instead of him. So, this is the warning label on this sermon series. This church is not about money. You know what we're about? We're about preaching and teaching the whole counsel of God. Everything that God teaches us in his word, we want to know it and learn it and believe it and live it. And since it talks about money, we got to talk about money sometimes too. Money matters how we use it, why we use it, the, our attitude towards it, it matters to God, and so we want to listen to him. And, and this, all of our lessons help us, and, and, and it was really hard to pick which of these lessons to preach on this morning, because they all have such wonderful things to say, and they say it in different ways, and so 
I hope you can stay for our Bible study today because what we're going to do is dig into the other two lessons that I'm not preaching on this morning and discuss those and, and struggle with those. But we're going to look at our second lesson from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And here, the Apostle Paul is writing to a fellow pastor, a younger man in his ministry, about money and how to teach the people he's serving about money and its proper uses. And, and what we're going to see in this lesson is that money is a wonderful servant, but it can be a terrible, terrible master. Money is, is not evil, right? Sometimes you've heard probably people say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Well, you, you heard it in this lesson, right? It's not money that's the root of evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is not something sinful. It's not sinful to be rich. It's not sinful to have money. It is a gift of God. It's a blessing from God from which we can do many, many wonderful things. We get to take care of our loved ones, the people in our care. We get to provide for their needs with the wealth that he's entrusted to us. We get to, yes, we get to pay our taxes to enjoy the blessings that we have in our society. We, we heard it here too. In verse 17, Paul even says that God gives us these things for our enjoyment. Right? There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of this life. They're gifts from God. We can do many wonderful things. It can be a wonderful servant for us. And he even says another thing here. Look, look at verse 18. He says there, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. God has entrusted these possessions to us, this wealth to us, to be generous with it, to share it, to remember that it is not mine. It's God's, all of it. And even, even the, the, the means of getting it, right? The, the abilities that I have, the time that I've been given, that's all a gift from God. And yes, I get to use it to bless the people that are closest to me, and I get to use it to enjoy life, but I've been, it's been given to me to be generous with and to share it, to share with those in need, to give my offerings to spread the work of the gospel. This gift of money is a wonderful, wonderful servant that can do many wonderful, God-pleasing things. And we, he wants us to put everything in proper perspective. To remember, when we have the proper perspective, what the result can be. Look at, look at verse 19, right after that last verse I read. It says, in this way, when we're generous, when we're willing to share, when we're rich in good deeds with the things that we've been given, he says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, God gives us this money. He gives us his wealth to give us a way to show our love for him. It's a way that God gives us the opportunity to show the faith that is on the inside, to manifest our faith in actual works, good deeds, by using this worldly wealth to bless others, to be generous with others, to share with others, 
This is the way that we get to show in real, tangible ways what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The love that we have for him is we get to use our wealth to bless others. Now, Paul, uh, Paul is not saying here that we go to heaven because we use our, God, our, our God-given wealth in such wonderful ways. What he's saying is that we use our wealth in God-pleasing ways because we already have heaven. Because we already have those riches that really matter and only last forever. So we want to use our worldly wealth not to get into God's good graces so someday we can be with him in heaven, but because it's already ours through Christ Jesus. And to have that proper perspective of our earthly wealth and the money that we've been entrusted with. To keep that eternal focus. To keep that focus on what this life is really all about. It's not about money. It's not about the things that money can buy, even though that's what the world wants you to think. This life is about getting ready for that life to come. This life is about preparing for that eternal life that has already been won for you through Christ Jesus. And then to use our lives and everything that we've been given, including our wealth, for that purpose. With that perspective. And if we have that eternal perspective, then it's no problem being generous. It's no problem being willing to share gladly. It's no problem when I realize what this life is really all about. Not the things. Not the paper. Not how much is in my savings, or even how much I'm going to pass on to my kids. It's about, I want my kids in heaven with me. It's about spreading the gospel in the time that I have. And to use every gift that God has given me for that end. Money is a wonderful, wonderful gift and servant. But it's a terrible master. Listen to the warnings that Paul gives. Go back to verse 9. He says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did you notice the, these are not words to the rich? They're words to those who want to be rich. So it doesn't matter if you are bankrupt or you're a billionaire. If your desire is to be rich and that is the focus of your life, these warnings you need to hear about what the result of that can be. It's a temptation. A big, big temptation that, that the world is constantly holding out to us. We, we sang it in our first hymn, right? What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasure, right? The world that's telling us where, where we're supposed to find our peace and security and our confidence in and, and the things of this life, right? It's such a temptation, and it's a trap, it says. This is a trap. And the reason it's a trap is because our money is not our God. Our money cannot save us. Our money cannot bring us true peace and contentment and joy and satisfaction. Oh, maybe for a little bit, maybe momentarily, but 
But I know that many of you have been there, those times in your life, when that money was gone. All those savings, that retirement account, when you fell on hard times, and you learned the lesson the hard way. It's a trap. When we begin to think that money can do what only God can do and bring us true peace and joy and contentment. And the danger in the end, the danger in the end, Paul says, is that some people eager for money wander from the faith and can pierce themselves with many griefs. This love of money, this wanting to be rich in the things of this life and that being our goal and our life's purpose can actually lead us away from the faith. Jesus said it in our gospel lesson. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. If our pursuit is after the things of this life, be careful. Heed the warning of the Spirit through Paul. You can wander from the faith. Wander from the true riches. Wander from that which really matters forever. As Christians, we know this struggle, don't we? We know it all too well. Because of the world we live in and what it tells us is important. Because of our own sinful flesh that just wants. That's going to try to find its peace and contentment and security in anything except for God. That sinful flesh that we got to go to battle with every day. We know that struggle. Right? We know that our money is a gift from God. I, I'm not telling you anything new this morning. You know that. You know what you're supposed to use it for. You know the, the way you can use it in God-pleasing ways. You know all of this. But you also know that struggle of wanting to be just having a little bit more. Or maybe a lot more. And it's taking your focus off of God and what really matters. You know this struggle all too well, don't you? And, and so what, what's, what do we do? What do we do in this struggle? Well, Paul tells us, says right at the beginning of our lesson from, from verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. What's the solution to this struggle? What is it that's going to help us in this struggle? It's contentment. And so be content. I know that's easier said than done, right? It's like telling someone, just be happy. You know, just, just be more joyful. It doesn't work that way, does it? So where does contentment come from? How do I get more contentment? How do I become more content in my life? He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment comes from godliness. And what is godliness? It's being in tune with God. It's being on the same page as him. Wanting the things that he wants. Desiring the things that he wants you to have. Godliness comes right here in his word. And here in the sacrament. Godliness is focusing on God and his promises and his love and his peace and his forgiveness 
which means focusing on Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians. He said, the right page here. He said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that he is God himself, he left heaven and all authority and power and majesty, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And not rich materially speaking, but rich in the things that really matter. Rich in the things that last forever. Rich in the spiritual blessings that only this Jesus Christ can give to you. A perfect life lived. A perfect life of contentment for you. A death for all of your sins. Of being discontent. And trying to find happiness and peace and joy in things other than God. For making money your master and serving it rather than serving God. Forgiveness for every one of those sins. That's a rich that God gives you through Jesus Christ. And the peace that flows from that and the joy that flows from that and the new life that we have in Jesus Christ through that that assures us that there's new life waiting for us. Those Heavenly treasures that moth and rust cannot destroy, that thieves cannot come and break in and steal. They are ours through Jesus Christ. And that as we live this earthly life until we're there, we've got a new purpose, a new reason to live, a new way to use the blessings that we've been given. To use our earthly riches for God's glory. Because we are rich in Christ Jesus. And the things that matter the things that really matter, the things that matter forever. And friends, when you know that, and when you grow in that, and you are connected to that in word and sacrament, that contentment grows. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That when I know in Christ Jesus, I have everything that I need. And that even if I just have food and clothing, that's all I need. And I can be content with that because in Christ Jesus, I have everything I truly need and could ever want or desire. So what do we do? What do we do so that we can keep money as this wonderful servant in our life and, and not for it to become our master? Listen to the last verse we haven't talked about yet. Verse 17. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Here he is talking to the rich. He says, command those who are rich. And just so you don't feel left out this morning, I want to make sure you know that this is talking about you. Do you know that, that if you have an, an annual income of $25,000, you are in the top 6% richest people in the world. If you have an annual income of $50,000, just double that, you are in the top 1.5% of the richest people in the world. My friends, you are rich in so many ways. 
You are blessed materially. So these words are for all of you. He says, do not put your hope in wealth. Do not make that the foundation of your life and what you are all about and your life's goal. It's so uncertain. That wealth has no certainty to it at all. Instead, put your hope in God. The one who graciously gives you these blessings. The one who tells you how to use them and what they're for. And even on top of that says, I'm going to give you even greater things. The greater blessings. They're true riches. The blessings that only come through Jesus Christ. My friends, this is what we long to do. And so we struggle. And we repent. And we don't listen to the world. Instead, we listen to God. And what he says about our money. Say, God, help me. God, help me to use it, to glorify you, to serve you, to bless others, and stay focused on what really matters. Amen. Please stand.